Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm so excited to be here for our fifth season of the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it. And it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During that show, our storytellers share their coming out stories and then improvisers bring them to life. The podcast is a little different. We still have our storytellers share their stories, but instead of improv, we talk about the stories. And I am so, so, so excited about our two guests that we have here with me today. Kira McGill and Amy James are the co-creators of the meme account Hype Dykes. Kira Shidae is a stand-up comedian and writer based in New York City. Her play, Which Please, had several sold-out performances at The Pit, and in 2019, she won the New York Queer Comedy Festival. More recently, she got to open for Maria Bamford. You can find her performing all over the city, and if not there, probably lying down somewhere. You can follow her on Insta at Sweat Potato McGill. It's sweat, right? Not sweet. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> Amy is a stand-up comedian, actor, and writer living in New York and L.A. She currently plays Rachel on the Hulu series How I Met Your Father. She's honored to represent the queer Jewish community on the show and on stage. She hosts the podcast Queer York City, which will be releasing a new season summer 2023. You can follow her on Instagram at Amy James, but please don't follow her on the street. She scares easily. Kira, Amy. Welcome. Thank hello, you. Hello. Thank you. How y'all doing? Doing great, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thriving and surviving. Um, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. That's great. Thriving and surviving. <laughs> I, you know, or manifesting that, right? Yeah. <laughs> the order, but yeah, uh, exactly. sometimes we survive then thrive. Uh <laughs> I like the idea of thriving, like just like really just thriving. You're like, but I'm also surviving. Like that's also yeah. They have to coexist. Yeah, it would be crazy to thrive but not survive. Uh, What would that look like? I, you know, I don't even being dead but looking cool doing it. Yeah, (laughs) your legacy thrives. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Um. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right in because there's two of you. And I want to have as much time as possible. And I meant to say this in the intro, but I for- I'll just tell you now. If you see me typing, I'm listening by taking notes. I'm not like texting somebody. Okay. Just so Fair. you know. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to go from left to right on my screen. Uh, so that means Kira. We uh, And well, this goes for you too, Amy, but we all have multiple coming out stories and multiple coming into ourselves stories. And so I'd love to hear just one of yours. And Kira, you're up. Great. Yeah. I, so I, I came out when I was in college, but I like, um, kind of like dipped my toes into the water in high school a little bit. Um, I mean, like, obviously if I look back on my whole life, I'm like, oh, I was always very, um, very gay, very in love with my third grade teacher, classic, uh, you know, lesbian story. But, uh, when I was in high school, like towards senior year, I like more, realized my feelings towards like 
women, whatever. And I had like a friend group who of um, like gay men who were who had been very out for like many, many years. And my best friend and I were in the car one day and I was like trying to uh, subtly like work into a conversation that like I think that I might be gay and um, sort of driving. And I was like, how how did you know like you were gay? And he like tells me his whole story again, which I've absolutely heard a hundred times at this point because we were gay teens who just sat in a circle and cried at each other every weekend um, in high school. We were very cool. And um, <laughs> so I like, asked him this and I was like, oh, cause like, I feel like I, <laughs> I might be gay. And he said, oh, I don't think so. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> I want to suppress that for another year. Then. Oh no worries. Um, which I like, I feel like now he would not even remember that if I told him that story. Um, and then in, in college, um, I like few months into college was still like very closeted pretending that I, you know, would go on dates with men and stuff. And then, um, I went to see SNL live because I went to college in New York and uh, it was like the first season that like Kate McKinnon was on SNL. And then so I came back from that show, I was like talking to my roommates about it. And they're like, oh my God, what did you think about it? It was like, oh, like I, you know, loved it. Like I like, and basically it was like, oh, I'm in love with Kate McKinnon. And like, that's how I came out to them. They're like, oh, ha ha ha. I was like, no, but in a real way. And that was, that was that, that, and it was all, yeah, fine. And then I came out to my parents um, when they came to visit me in college uh in a parking garage as they drove away um we did not talk about it for like maybe a a week when they called me after they left but they were literally like driving into the street like oh by the way I'm gay okay anyway see you later (laughs) Uh, but they're both so lovely and and great about it um very supportive and I guess I more recently came out as non-binary um and recently had had top surgery which has been amazing um yeah I guess that's when I'm like I ha- I don't really come out about so much it just like is I feel like I like really came out as gay and that one is just like you'll you'll probably find out somewhere um in talking to me that that is the case <laughs> thank you for sharing and congrats on top surgery thank you thank yeah. you it's uh I I woke up from my top surgery uh smiling and I was like, yeah. my friend, my mom and my friend were like, yeah, you woke up smiling. I'm like, well, yeah. like I had, you know, removed quite the load. So it was, yeah. it was yeah. you know, freeing. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, I honestly, it's, yeah, it was so, the worst part to me was just the like chafing from the binder that you have to wear post-surgery. Mm. Like, otherwise I feel like it was really a breeze. It was just that like annoying chafing was horrible, but yeah, I, I, Amy was there when I like woke up from uh my surgery and I have like surgeries in the past where usually I have a horrible time with anesthesia and like get very emotional and cry and whatever and I like woke up and felt so good and she like has it on video of me under anesthesia being like I didn't even cry um <laughs> but you cried later but that's cried, okay yeah, that's, <laughs> you know when the, when the anesthesia and the morphine wears off yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh those were the tears came. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Honestly, the feeling of like be like that that like nausea post surgery that was what really made me cry. <laughs> that was the worst part. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. I remember. I remember just uh like the first like side view picture I took where it was just like flat, and I was like, hold, like I, nothing else in the world matters. This is the best yeah. thing that's ever happened. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I would and say the t-shirts are amazing now. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. If it's if that's something you want, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, the worst part for me after top surgery, and my mom can attest to this because she was my my caregiver, was because I don't know if this was the same for you, but for me, I couldn't shower for like a week or two because like the drains, mm-hmm. but I had it in summer. I have air conditioning, but I was, you know, after a week or I don't know, I think it was a week without showering. I was like smelly, like very stinky. Yeah. And like, just like the worst, like, I'm just like being kind to myself, but it was like the worst smell that's ever existed. And my mom was just such a trooper. And then when I got the green light to shower, I still couldn't like do it myself. So she had to help me. And she was just like, she's a saint. It was, it was bad. And even after scrubbing, it still had some like remnants of like, you stink. And it was, it was just, I've sometimes have a little bit of flashbacks of like, oof, but worth it. A, I already know what you're. I know. I can. I can hold off on the story. No, 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 no. I so while while uh, she was recovering, I was still shooting How I Met Your Father. So what I would do is I came for the surgery, and then two days after I shot, and then after that week I came back. So I kept coming back and forth to check on her. When I came back to check on her after the first time, I got to see her and hug her, and the stench was so specific mm-hmm. that I was like, this can't be normal. Like, I was like, <laughs> certain, like is there an infection? Is there? So when we went to the, like one of her follow-ups, I was like, you should ask the doctor. And then she's like, okay, I'll do it. But then when she got there, she was clearly too embarrassed. And I was like, I'm sorry the Jew and me can't resist. I have to step in and take over. <laughs> like, I need to ask about this thing. And her response was, no, that has nothing uh, to do with her recovery. Yeah. Not only um, that, she said, I've never heard of that. <laughs> the doctor? Oh, yeah. The doctor was like, no, that smell is not. She's like, that's specific to you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. I'm not sure how to respond to that. Because my, yeah. I, yeah. I, we each, maybe we each have our own specific stenches. Yeah. And, and I don't know. But well, that's like the thing is, so we at that point have been dating for like two years. We were best friends for a long time before we started dating, but we were obviously, you know, the pandemic inseparable. We were together nonstop. And I was like, I have never seen it's like smelled you like this before in my life. Um, yeah, you're like, it's medically bad. Like, it's, like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's medically bad. I also like, I, or I guess I just recently at, at the time I had reconstructive surgery because my nasal valves collapsed. It was my 23rd surgery. I was born with a tumor that diminished the structure of my nose, which is a, a story for, for later. Another um, but, podcast. Uh, yeah, for, for like, yeah, another podcast. Don't worry about it. But um, I was like, I can smell you. And that's how <laughs> you know it's bad. Because like, I don't really, now smell I do anything. have a sense of smell, almost too much of a sense of smell. Mm. Um, don't know how people do it. Um, it's almost a curse now, the amount I can smell. Like, things just make me gag out of nowhere. And again, you know, I digress. But still, that was when we knew it was bad. But it all worked out. You yeah. Know, many sponge baths later. Yeah. Uh, 
got rid of it i was just i was gone for a week yeah. and you you didn't get the shower I think probably. the worst part was that water almost seemed to make it worse at first like it almost seemed like <laughs> washing it made it stronger uh in the beginning <laughs> i love how we were like you're like we are never talking about this again and now we're just here in a podcast please keep it in yeah 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 to humble her as if she's not humble yeah. um, <laughs> super important um but yeah, so that was exciting for you. Yeah. And you got through it. Yeah. Now healed and odorless. Yeah. Healed and odorless. That's the dream. Yeah. That should yeah. be like the tagline for like, you know, like the year later checkups. It's like healed and yeah. odorless. <laughs> like That's you be too can be healed and odorless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um uh can I ask like how old you are, Kira? Just like- I'm uh almost thirty. Okay, so we were in high school in different decades. So I am 38, and I so I graduated in high school in 03, Mm -hmm. and um, but I also was in Ohio, which is different because you said you were from where in Ohio, Columbus. Oh, okay. My mom is from Parma Heights, which Mm. is like a little bit outside of Columbus. Love it. Yeah, love a little Ohio connect. Yes. Um, but I'm just, cause I'm thinking about in high school, there were very, f- like I could count on one hand, the number of out people. Yeah. And I just recently can- reconnected with someone who's, a, who's a grade older than me, who there were like, they were friends with like a bunch of other queer people. And like, they knew they were queer with each other, but like, and everyone like guessed that maybe they were queer and then whatever. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is. There weren't a lot of out people. Um, and so that made it really challenging for me to be like, is this going to be safe mm-hmm. to like disclose who I am? Because it was, it didn't feel safe. And so I'm just, so like you said that you really like, had a whole crew of gay boys. Yeah, so like, well, what I was the a- like landscape like Yeah, for you in high school? Because it was, it seems very different than mine. I, well, so, like, these are, um, most of them are friends that I, like, made in middle school, and so, like, before they were out, it was, I was, like, very involved with theater, and they were all in, um, theater, and so we, like, became friends, and it's kind of, I mean, like, it's crazy looking back on it now, how, like, I felt an instant connection to these people without, like, really knowing why, because now, you know, all of these years later, um, the friends that I'm still super, super close with have now like also recently come out as non-binary and have like had very similar journeys that I have had as far as like identity without like ever really saying it to one another. Um, I mean, it was like, I, my high school, my, the high school I went to had 3000 kids. And so Mm. it was huge. And there was still like, a small number I think also like being involved in theater you tend to find like you know the more the the queer kids and like the kids that um yeah the queer kids (laughs) um but yeah no I mean it was I think I mean I think it was nice for me and it made things really easy as far as coming out because I like never really fully had the fear of not being accepted like the closest people in my life I knew already would be accepting honestly the most interesting interaction was um so like my my I always knew that my parents would be accepting my uncle 
is gay. I've like known, I mean, I've, I've known my whole life. It was never a secret, but in third grade, I like figured it out and asked and they like had me call him on the phone. I was like, Oh, I don't want to like talk about it. I was just wondering if like, you know, he had a boyfriend and like, if that's who my uncle Luigi was. Um, And so like my parents, I knew were super accepting and super loving, like never really worried about that. But when I came up to my uncle, um, the first thing that he said was like, Oh, that's so I've never liked lesbians. I was like, what? It's like of all of the people that I would, I mean, in a way that like, obviously still super loving and accepting, but he was like, you know, a gay man of the nineties where it was like very separate kind of lives. Um, and so it was like the most interesting, I think, response I've had to coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting because I have my sister's um, four grades older than me and her best friend is a gay man. And he was one of the out people in high school, but we never were in high school together. I digress. He, I was testing the waters with him. I was like, if anyone will be cool, it's him because he's mm-hmm. gay. He's out. Like, And he would say... And I think he would deny this today. And but he'd say like, "Les, I hate lesbians. Like they're no, like what? I, like would just be like mean." And I'm like, "How is this? How does this compute? I don't understand. Yeah. It's it's that's wild." Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So to clarify, were you out in high school? No, I was not. No, Mm-mm. you were not out in high school. Yeah, I came out my sophomore year of college. Ah, uh, I feel like that's the ripe age that tends mm-hmm. to be a good turning point. Yeah, I wrote it on a post-it because I was scared to say it out loud. <laughs> uh, I was like, post-it. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, too, because um, in college, the friends that I gravitated towards, like, over half of them, like, none of us were out. And then we became this, like, very close group of friends. And then half or more ended up coming out. And it's like, yeah. we just, like inherently instinctually like we're drawn to each other which i think speaks to a lot of like gaydar queerdar or like Mm -hmm. being able to like seek each other out for safety even if we're not talking about it i think i think that's a real thing yeah yeah there's now like a bunch of other people who have like come out post high school from my high school uh and we all I mean, like, a, there's, like, a, a few of us that, like, follow each other on Instagram. Like, we were not friends at all in high school, but, like, we'll like each other's stuff and be, like, e- like you know, we all see, see what, you. what we became <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's – I. There are, there are a lot of queer people now from my, my – my school was really small. I think there were maybe 600 total. Oh, wow. Like, so it was really small. Everyone knew everyone. But there are definitely, like, trans and non-binary people who have come out in my – my grade it's weird to say my grade I'm almost 40 but yeah. it is it is you know um and yeah and like this one I have this one friend who we were really close when we were younger and then I I don't actually know I, I actually really want to talk to him about it but we both are trans and well have always been trans but you know are out as trans and I wonder if we like saw too much of ourselves in each other and so that's why we like couldn't remain friends because it was too much to see ourselves reflected back do you know what I mean like especially in like a really small town in Ohio um but when I when I talked about like starting hormones he messaged me and was like if you have any questions and was just like so kind and I was like so lovely it was so lovely but yeah 
part about being queer it's just like how we all help each other there's just like that automatic connection where it's like I mean we may not know each other we knew each other from forever ago but like yeah I'm here if you need anything yeah it's really special yeah um all right AB you're <gasps> up Coming in into oh or coming God. out story. Yeah. Um, so I like I, I said earlier, I feel like our coming out stories are very different. And of course, we have multiple, but I think I had one that was a huge turning point. Um, I didn't come out um by choice. I was actually outed um when I was 14. And I say it's one of the most millennial ways to be outed. I was outed via AOL instant messenger. Mm. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty fun. So I went to, I'm from LA. I went to a very small all girls school in LA and I was a freshman at the time and I was secretly dating a girl. Um, obviously we were both theater kids. Um, mm. and so it was very secret, but the school's very small. So like there were rumors and people had ideas and apparently there were three high school seniors who I never met ever. Um, even though the school was small, like I knew of them, but never talked to them, pretended to be somebody I knew on uh, AIM. And uh, so I confided in them and told them that I was dating someone. And then they ended up spreading that conversation around everywhere. And it's how everyone this like most of the people in the school knew my teachers ended up knowing it's how my fam, like my older sister found out and then my family found out. And it was one of those I mean like I thought it was the end of my life at that point and it was like at a point where like the it gets better videos weren't even out yet like there was like nothing to really keep me grounded at that point in hindsight it's the best thing to ever happen to me but I at the time it really forced me to be like okay like this whole world knows that like and at that point, I never even was fully like, I'm a lesbian. I was just like, I'm in love with this girl. But I was like, okay, maybe this is what this is meant to be. And it really pushed me into basically having to own myself. And I, I'm from LA. So it wasn't like anyone was like, super homophobic. It's just the fact that like, girls are mean. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a really great opportunity. Obviously, it was something I was still insecure about and allowed girls to really you know, kind of feast on that. Um, So I was really ostracized from like the rest of my grade and my school and uh, really lost most of my friends. But I ended up becoming friends with the two other kids that were like queer, but not fully out at my school. And so like they kind of, you know, helped me like, you know, through most of high school, but they were older than me. So they ended up graduating earlier. But uh yeah am I missing anything from the story oh the fact that the three uh seniors actually ended up being queer themselves uh uh-huh. yeah <laughs> it was a really uh interesting choice and in hindsight like, I remember learning that and kind of just like feeling bad for them also just feeling bad I'm like you're a senior in high school they also in- intentionally waited like a week before they graduated so they like couldn't get in trouble so like there was nothing the school did about it there was nothing that anyone did about it um but like I was just like yeah if you feel the need to really be invested in a 14 year old girl's uh you know experience finding their identity I guess that's that's up to you but that yeah it was uh it was super super fun I think it also also like to jump back really quick to the nose thing I have been bullied all my life I didn't have like a full nose until I was in sixth grade. So like I, you know, I was just the chef's kiss for a bully. Like I had all of these things and I was like just getting over the nose stuff. And now the, you know, the gay stuff was happening. So it was just kind of like a nonstop 
of bullying. So it wasn't something I wasn't not used to, I guess. So it was just kind of, I already had that armor of comedy to kind of help cope through it. But I mean, you know, it, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out the way it did <laughs> as yeah. uh, damaging as it sounds. It's great. I've heard this story many times now, and it's only like just hit me that these were like 18 year old yeah. girls bullying a 14 year old child. Yeah. Yeah. And I like know. using you as a, a, a scapegoat, essentially. Uh-huh. Be like, now, you, now you're the spectacle, and like, we're going to get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah, it it is it it was really wild. I think also because I was so ostracized from my community, though, it really pushed me to find community elsewhere. And again, I think very millennial of me, I really found a close tight community via Tumblr. Um, and as much as we were having this conversation, I really do agree this whole concept of like the internet for children is really harmful and there should be like, they shouldn't have access to it. I absolutely agree. But there's also like, for example, someone like me who didn't have access to anything else, like that was also a huge, you know, support of mine. And then I ended up evolving. I was a very, um, <laughs> middle middle tier uh uh lesbian vlogger back in the day um and that also uh really has connected I mean I still to this day love people walk up to me in bars and be like I watched your vlogs in mm-hmm. high school which is so I'm like I'm famous um <laughs> I'm super humble and famous um but it the, like things like that also helped me connect to the queer community and also in kind of the same way like strangers who would reach out and needed help and needed someone to talk to and frankly is a huge thing that's a part of hype dykes like yeah. one of the big things about our meme account is we really like oh are open to like having people reach out to us and people do a lot they're like we're having a really bad day can you hype me up and so we'll go and we'll learn about them and go on their you know accounts and then you know really make specific a specific yeah and like uplifting and ask questions and like make connections with like people who like don't have access to like other people to talk to is like a huge passion of mine yeah. and something that I still carry and stuff I do today wow yeah. Well, I didn't, I don't think I, well, I want to, I want to talk about hype dykes more, but I didn't, I don't think I realized the extent in which you were hype dykes. And so I definitely want to come back to that, but yeah, I just, I can't get over the, like you being outed by, I mean, I can, I can't like, yeah. and I'll say why in a second, like of like you being outed by, and then it turns out queer people uh-huh. because I'm not proud of this, but there were moments where I was a little bit of a bully because yeah. I was protecting myself. I mean, I'm not proud of it. And I've since apologized to people uh, yeah. who I bullied. Um, but it's just, it's this cycle of bullying. It's, yeah. so how did, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out the right way to ask this. Um, but like, you know, you because you talk about it now is like, it's the best thing that happened and, you know, but in it, it can't it couldn't have felt good in the moment like it could oh, not have been horrible. so how, like where did you find your resilience from you know being bullied earlier in your life and now here this you know this vulnerable vulnerable part of your identity with you know you lost all the power you lost any kind of power oh, yeah. over your own narrative so how did you um a like find that power and how did you like where do you find where did you find your resilience to like you know, the, you mentioned it gets better videos, but like, where did you find your own, it gets better without actually having those videos? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of it was 
I mean, I don't know how much fate or things happen, but I think that there is a lot of stuff that happened to me building up to that point that really helped me already kind of have the tools to cope. So like the amount of bullying I faced as a child was really severe. And so I think it it wasn't extremely a foreign concept to me. And so it, exactly what you're saying, this idea of the, the narrative was taken away from me, like I lost control. It wasn't it completely, yeah, like something that was new to me. So it was a lot about how I ended up taking more control of my narrative and my story and not letting people get to me was through my comedy. Like it really is so much like not allowing the, you know, bullies to like, if they were to bully me, I would joke in about it. And yes, I'd be self-deprecating, but it would be so not fun for the bully to bully me anymore. When I'd be like, Oh my God, you're so right. Like I am a weirdo. That's crazy. And I also learned so much because I think what's interesting is physically I looked so different. I mean, I had this blood tumor in like the f- middle of my nose for so much of my life that I already knew what it was like w- for people to look at me and like almost be scared or uncomfortable or freaked out. So this idea that like externally I like finally looked normal, but internally I was different and people were still seeing that was it was it was it was different but I was like but I but I know it and something I have a really amazing mom who always taught me that like because people look at me differently is one of the reasons I'm special. So I've always also been able to be like, you might not like me for the way I am, but there are people out there who will. And like, you know, always having a mom who's like really, uh, you know, assuring in that sense was, was really helpful. And I also have like three amazing siblings who would like fight for me to the death. So like anytime I had a bully, all three of them would come out and like, fight for me and care for me and they were the people who were my, not only my siblings but my peers were all 18 months apart so we're super close and they never treated me differently so they always gave me hope and understanding that other people would ultimately be the same way and I had great teachers who were super supportive so I did have like figures in my life that like kept me stable and secure also a lot of therapy mm-hmm. but uh which again I I I talk about it all the time. Therapy is so important, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's definitely was like the backbone to my survival in life in general. I still am in therapy, but it's, did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. Okay, cool. Mm, nice. I was like, I feel like now I'm going somewhere where where we're, we're veering into not uh, an answer. <laughs> now you veered but... right into the exact what I asked you. Right, nice. cool. <laughs> uh, it's so, I, I, I'm just thinking about how, uh, special it is that you had all of these different people in your corner uh, who had your back and um, and it just my brain goes to the worst and so now I'm just thinking about all of the kids who don't have those people in their lives and but then they are able to access community through the internet um, yeah. and able to find yeah. hype dykes so tell so so I'm patting myself on the back with a segue here. So <laughs> internet. So, okay. So you have this meme account, Hype Dykes. You mentioned mm-hmm. it a little bit earlier, but can you tell us like, how did it come to be? What it, what actually is it? And all that good stuff. So it originally came to be because we we're both stand-up comedians. We met on a show before and we instantly became best friends. And we always said, we want to start our own comedy show. Let's start our own comedy show. I have constantly referred to myself as a hype dyke and then mm-hmm. deemed you an honorary hype dyke. And so we were like, oh, let's create this comedy show called Hype Dykes. It's going to be amazing. And as we were planning to do that, the lockdown happened. 
And um, at the time I was living alone. And so I invited Kira to come live with me. And I was like, why don't we in the meantime to gain a following so we can like put on shows? Let's just make memes. It's also a great way for us to still be funny since we can't perform. It just like kind of became an outlet in that sense. And then also a huge thing was I was like, oh, for our brand of Hype Dykes, I want to be able to implement the same idea of like making sure people can reach out, we can like make their days better. Especially amidst lockdown, you know, being a very hard time for everybody is having a place for like a sense of community and connection when everybody's so separated. Yeah. And then, so that's kind of like how it began. And then since we were living together in lockdown, we just were posting every day and creating and just expanding our community. Um, And in the midst of that, we fell in love, Mm -hmm. um, which was uh, lovely. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that was just kind of how it became to be. And like, we still, it's been what, three years now? And we still, we're still in the process of trying to find a a good place for a show. But I'm so happy that Hype Dykes ended up turning into something we weren't expecting. Because I think it's really special. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's a really also an, an interesting like experience. I think right now, especially with que- like queerness and the internet and things being censored and Instagram. Like we just recently got hype dykes um taken away from us because we're a queer account for like a month. I think for a month, yeah. and we had to like petition and ask people to help us. And like luckily, I ended up meeting somebody who worked for Instagram, and I was like, "Can you please help me?" And then that ended up working out but this idea of trying to find this balance between being able to serve the queer community without being silenced Mm -hmm. is also something that we really we've even had to have discussions about changing our name because the word dyke is like Mm. you know very censored and um and which is so crazy because it's like also like is a a thing um you know like it's It's like literally a dyke is a thing yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But it, yeah, it's very, it's uh, very censored. And it's, it, it, I mean, it's, it, I find it personally just, I mean, I think we both find it so frustrating because we like both have had the personal experience of like seeing actual like white supremacy on Instagram and reporting it and then getting a message back from Instagram that says, sorry, like this doesn't go against our community guidelines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have like posts, I think it was just like Tracy Ellis Ross and a B saying yeah. something about like, you know, like being afraid of like cis straight white men. Um, and like that was taken down because it did go against community guidelines. Um, and so it was like, it's, yeah, I was like, I, I, I mean, if these are your guidelines, I, I'm not a big fan of. <laughs> but that's like the challenge too, right? Like the platforms that we can connect on and things yeah. like that are almost against us, which is like, it sucks because like we still want to use that platform because that's how we connect to people. But at the same time, like it's also the thing that fights against us, which is a challenge in like the whole, in the whole meme community. I think also something mm-hmm. like we were talking about how, Queer people are just like, you know, we all connect so well and we all want to help each other. All the queer meme accounts do everything they can to help each other, reach out, share each other's posts, do all of this stuff. And so they were also super helpful when our account was taken away. And it also has happened to other queer accounts. Yeah, some have just never come back. Yeah, one of, yeah. It's it can be because like there's at some point, if you get reported too many times, they, they delete it permanently. And you just, you can't uh, get it back, which is such a a scary thought and so sad to see happen to like really great creators. Yeah. We also got our taken away after what, two warnings about two two different posts. And then that was it. So yeah, it's like really 
it's like scary to like be kind of in the scary environment, but also wanting to work through it so we can still, you know, connect and be there with people. Yeah. Those are that's, that's such a nice little meme community. Like, I mean, I even saying that out loud, I'm like, that sounds so silly, but it is like, it's so, it's so lovely. It's so I nice. also think there's a huge misconception with meme accounts, which I think this is totally valid for re- like standard meme accounts where a lot of people will reach out to meme accounts asking questions about coming out and, and certain things and wanting to make a connection. And a lot of meme creators are like, that's not what this account is for. Like, I like, I support you and everything like that. But like, you know, when you have 20K plus, followers and you have that many messages like sometimes it can be hard when that's not your mission but that is our mission like we do want to be a meme account that you can reach out to and things like that and that is no slight to any other meme account that's just not their objective our objective is different um and so it's also nice to get to be a different type of account in that way and also hopefully like relieve some of our other you know meme friends accounts so like because like I know they feel so bad like they'll make public posts it's like I'm so sorry it has nothing to do with you it's just that like you know there's a lot of things you juggle yeah yeah. and so we do what we can to just sit there for very long periods of time so we can respond to people but it's uh so yeah, it's just nice to get to be that, you know, for people, but it, but it's, I think the whole idea of meme creators and admins and stuff like their expectations and what followers um, need from them, it, it doesn't really, it, it, I don't think it's, it's fair. It's a very ambiguous job, but I think that it, people assume more of, of them, which yeah, understandably is not what they need so it's respecting people's needs you know the the creator's needs as well uh but yeah that's one (laughs) well i mean it's it's great that you all have an account that people can reach out to and get a response from um i i have a fraction of the followers that you have but i get a lot of messages and i think it's because at least for me it's like because i put myself out there out there in a vulnerable way then that whether i want it or not that opens me up to people then feeling like they know me and connect with me and then want me to, you know, understandably like support them and hear them out. And there's only so much bandwidth I have to be able to hold other people's stuff. And it's not to say I don't care about them and it's not to say that I don't want to help them, but it's, it is a lot of, it's a lot of work to hold lots of emotions and a lot of trauma and a lot of stuff because, you know, I, I do this podcast. I teach a lot of DEIB trainings. I do a lot of speaking engagements. And so I'm constantly putting myself out there. So then, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I have to mind my own capacity too. And so, yeah, exactly. um, you know, it's like that, the metaphor of like putting your own mask on before you can help somebody else. Um, yeah. But it's, it's so nice to know that you all, like it's part of your mission is to, is to hype people up. That's, that's cool. So oh, you, yeah. so you get, so what are, what are some of the like, funnier messages you've gotten that you're just like this is great and this is like a fun thing to respond to well I think the most fun one that I've gotten recently was some uh, this uh guy message he was like hey I just want to say like I know that this account is not for me um I'm a, a straight cis white dude but I love your content I think it's so funny and I'm like I love that I like I love yes. that he just like enjoy it because like we do try to make things that are enjoyable for everybody as well as like specific to the queer community and I think at that point like our stuff was like very specifically queer yeah. but he just like really enjoyed really the memes enjoyed- I was like this is this is such a nice message I don't know I really 
I really love that. <laughs> yeah, that one that one was really sweet. I mean, yeah. really, most of the ones we get, they were like, hey, I'm having a bad day. Can you give me a hype? And so we just kind of give them a hype. Yeah. And also, like, I absolutely agree, respect the whole mask on first. There are sometimes we don't respond r- right away because, like, we have our own stuff to do and also very interestingly i've been personally getting a lot more messages because on how i met your father i play a queer jewish woman and so i've been getting so many messages from queer jewish people and like their thoughts about things and their feelings and like how exciting it is to like see somebody you know play a queer jewish person play a queer jewish person and and especially on a very predominantly like you know straight show is really exciting and so being able to access that there's there's more stuff we juggle now so it's not an immediate response yeah but we do what we can um when we can <laughs> yeah i mean it's you know it's it's a gift when you're able to give um yes I wanted to I wanted to ask you about how I met your father. Um yeah. because are were you a how I met your mother fan? I was a how I met your mother fan. Like not die die hard, but I did see the whole thing was not happy with the ending of how I met your mother. Oh, obviously, no you went opposite. I love the ending, but oh. <laughs> the ending ending, but the the whole, you know, you wait so oh, long yes, for yes, the yes. mother yeah, reveal yeah, yeah. and I wasn't I wasn't happy yeah, about spoiler that. if anybody hasn't yeah. been able to catch up since well, it's a post, but you know yeah, if yeah. they haven't seen it they, they might enjoy it <laughs> yeah but, okay yeah. so that's cool I am uh I am a huge How I Met Your Mother yeah. fan <laughs> um and so was thrilled that How I Met Your Father was a thing um yeah and Josh Radner went to my high school Oh, no way. he's i mean he's he is older than i am so we, yeah. there was no crossover um but i actually so i've met him a few times because we have mutual friends and i feel like maybe you would appreciate this story i um so i met him a few months ago. i met him years ago in columbus during thanksgiving fine that was a long time ago don't don't expect him to remember me i met him he is a musician and so I went to one of his concerts with my friend who's his best friend, who's my friend, mutual friend. There we go. Uh, and so I met him after we said hello. We chit chatted for a little bit. I didn't bring up how I met your mother. Um, yeah. And then I saw him just just weeks later at a Kol Nidre Yom Kippur service in New York City. And I was like, Josh, hey. And he was like, hey. And he remembered me. And I was like, how are you? He's like, good. How are you? And I was like, good. And then I just stared at him. Like I didn't say, and I just was like so excited that he remembered me and that I was like seeing him that I just stared at him and it felt like 70,000 hours, but it was literally probably three seconds. He was Uh like, well, Shana Tova. And I was like, (laughs) Shana Tova, bye. It was so awkward. Anyways, it was great. And I love that. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I get that. I, it's, it is like a very surreal experience to like walk in and work with people where I'm like, I have like known you for my whole life and you don't know me. And that is like such a wild concept and pretending to be really cool about it. It's probably my biggest um, accomplishment on the show. Yeah. That's like, because you've had half the half most, a lot of the original people guest star. Um, yeah. Well, and I don't know if you if you get Josh Radner's um, newsletter, but he yeah. just recently wrote about Ted and because he had lunch with Lily Aldrin, whose uh, name I'm Allison Hannigan. And <gasps> um, oh, and he and so like this picture of the two of them 
had almost a million likes and he got like 20,000 new followers. And he wrote this newsletter. If you're interested, I could forward it to you about like how he didn't really have a good relationship with Ted. Like Ted served him well, but like he was, he wanted people to recognize his work beyond Ted. Yeah. Um, But then realizing there's this whole paragraph about him realizing just about just exactly what you're saying of like people who like know have like turned to Ted and how I met your mother in times of like need and like feel like they really know him and like what a what a privilege it is for an artist to be able to be that person for somebody else. Yeah. Um, And so he like he like reconciled with Ted, which was like in this in this newsletter. It was really powerful. Uh-huh. Um, But so but I do want to actually talk about like the queer Jewish representation on this show because that was I was so excited by that and you know was always lacking all the shows that I love friends you know the yeah. queerness was always mocked um yeah. throughout same on how I met your mother tr- tr- you yeah. know that that show is not perfect by any means um in a lot of ways but it was thrilling to to see queerness in the show and then queer queer Jewishness so so you said I was I was going to ask you if you already answered. So you have a lot of people reach out to you. What kinds yeah. of things are they saying? Because it's, it's thrill. It's thrilling. Truly. It's so much just like, Oh, it's so exciting to see like us represented in like such a mainstream show. And to be honest, I didn't fully process how big of a deal it was like specifically the Jewish component of it. I understood being like a queer couple and a queer interracial couple and like how exciting that is for the show. But like actually a Jewish representation in like the first episode I'm in, it's about my grandmother died and we're sitting Shiva and like kind of like shedding light on, you know, certain parts of, you know, our culture and things like that is like really cool. And so I was really I was really excited about that, but it's something I also really love is it's not the only component of Rachel's identity. Like they actually don't fully reference it all the time really much, um, which I just think is really cool. So it's still like a subtle representation, um, which I love, but it's, yeah, it's just mostly people being like, oh, I'm so excited. And it's very exciting. Like, you know, uh, honest, uh, James is not my real last name. Um, It's just a little bit catchier than my real one, which is Josephson, which to be honest, is just not Jewish enough. Like if it was like super Jewish, I would have kept it 100%. But I'm like, Josephson, we can go either way with that. So let's just go with my middle name for now. Mm -hmm. But I think people were very excited to find out that I actually am in fact Jewish, even though, you know, I may not seem it right away, which is also so exciting for me because I think obviously I don't necessarily look like a lesbian and I don't necessarily look Jewish. So getting to play a character that's so close to my identity in that sense was actually an opportunity I didn't really see coming, which was really cool. Um, I also loved the casting was very specific. They're like, no, we are only looking for queer Jewish people for this queer Jewish character, which I think is so refreshing and really nice. Like actually have characters be played by those types of people um and so I really that's what I really love about the show is they're like very focused on making sure that I, the diversity is like authentic um which is a, a really nice touch that is yeah and what I think is uh I have a lot of things I want to respond to to that uh the first one is um I remember when I was little so my last name is Weinblatt which is oh pretty pretty jewish sounding I would keep that, 100%. <laughs> that was my last name, 100%. but i but i remember saying to my mom i wish i had a more jewish sounding last name my mom was like what does that even mean and i i didn't i don't know i just want i remember saying that but i 
in a lot of, so I used to work at this organization called Keshet, which in Hebrew means rainbow. And so a lot of the, all of the work that I did was working with Jewish institutions on creating spaces of belonging for queer people. And so there were, we had so many conversations about like, um, well, equity and like, what does it look, what does it mean? And what does it look like to be queer? And like, there are queer people in your communities, whether you know it or not, because there's not one way to look queer and there's you know and then we would talk about equity in other ways like there's not one way to look jewish right there are jews of color there are jews of all every you name it there's a jew you know jews are we're every we're everything and everywhere and um and so i love i love the idea of you when you said like i'm not necessarily i don't necessarily quote unquote like look jewish or look like a lesbian what happens is when you when you're playing this role you're expanding the possibility of like oh I can be Jewish and a lesbian and look like this. And I, and so I love when people get to, especially then have a platform for millions of people are seeing it, who get to push on that idea and push on, there's not one way to be anything. And so it it creates, it creates possibility. And, and um, I love that. Yeah, me too. It's, it's really, it's really, really nice. I think that's something that, it's yeah it's just really assumed a lot of if you don't look a certain way then you can't be a certain way especially as an actor and especially when it comes to casting and they want you to look uh you know very specifically in a way so yeah it's just really nice to get to like kind of push the boundaries and expand that more yeah I'm so I want to ask both of you this and I'm because I'm curious what your thoughts are because it goes it goes kind of like counter to what we're talking about Mm -hmm. um do you know the movie Shiva Baby Yes. yes So I had Emma, the director and writer on the podcast, and we were talking about because she faced a lot of backlash because the main character was playing a queer person. And at the at, at the time, and I don't actually know how she identifies now, but was not a queer person. And so she is was playing. Is it Molly Gordon or is Molly no. Gordon? No, it's Rachel. Um, Rachel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so. I'm I I have I like kind of go I like am all over the place on how I feel about like what I'm quoting like authentic representation just because like on the one hand it's it's incredible to see like authentic representation on the screen but then one of the things that Emma said to me was like it's against the law for me to ask someone's sexual orientation that's it's illegal and so like to like to be able to cast someone who can fit the role, even if they don't hold all the same identities as the character. Um, she's like, that's, I'm, I'm grossly misquoting her, but it was like, it like, um, it got me thinking of like, well, that's true. Like as an employer, you can't discriminate based on if someone isn't queer for a queer role, just like you can't, you know, the, the inverse. So my question is after all of that rambling is like, do you see, um, what is my question? Like, I, I, I guess I'm in both camps. Like, I think, because I also think like when people get to play a role that, you know, maybe it's someone who, when they took the role at that time, didn't know a certain part of their identity. And then when they got to be in the space, you know, found like realized, oh, there is like this queer part of me because they were in a safe space to explore. And like, mm-hmm. I, I think of theater as a place to, to you're we're playing pretend like it's it in theory should be a place a safe place to explore and so all of that rambling is the question is where do you all fall on that like 
with like the the representation being authentic always or is there a question somewhere in there oh yes, yes. there is <laughs> okay great <laughs> talk about it a lot because actually that is a huge question that people bring up to me a lot as someone who gets to play the character I play and I talk about how exciting that is and they so they think that automatically I'm like assume that everyone like every queer character should be played by a queer person I actually don't necessarily feel that way because I can think of it in two two ways and one of the ways is as an actor I think acting is about expanding beyond yourself and being able to explore different people because ultimately you not only learn more about other people but you do learn about yourself in the process and so Mm -hmm. to me it's about who is best for the role but if you don't fully identify as the character it's about doing your research just talking to the people you need to talk to fully understanding why certain things are heavy the way they're meant to be heavy like a lot of the critiques I might say about certain people who play queer characters that aren't necessarily queer I personally think feel like I can tell in certain performances where like they don't see some of the weight that should be held in certain components of the character or the circumstances they're in and how they might respond as a queer person I sometimes feel like can lack but if you can do your research I think that's completely valid it's just about respecting who you're playing um I think is a big thing. So I actually am quite open to it. I don't think it necessarily has to be completely closed off. Um, but it is, I, I think it, it can get muddy for sure. But I, I think it's just about respecting who you're playing and respecting the piece. And if you're willing to do your research, I don't see the problem with it. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel. You're kind of, in the, sometimes you disagree with me. I, that, I think for the most part, I, fall in that category of thought I think that the thing is because like you know there's a lot of argument for uh people who represent communities playing the like communities that they represent on television in movies um and it like you're saying because I do think it brings a sense of authenticity of like how would this person with this experience respond to this thing and if there is another actor who is outside of that community who can do that authentically like I think that that is you know it is theater is about playing pretend about inhabiting these stories that aren't necessarily our own I mean even when you do get to play essentially yourself it's still not your own story fully I think where it gets like maybe somewhat complicated is that there's limited stories for many you know communities for queer people people of color for you know uh indigenous folk like there's a lot of stories that are limiting for the for and so like for those people who are in those communities to actually get to play those parts I think is important because there there aren't many opportunities outside of those parts for those actors or for those performers And then there's, like, people who argue, like, okay, well, like, if queer people should play queer people, then, like, you know, they shouldn't get straight roles either, Um, which that's the area which I'm like, well, heterosexuality and, like, heteronormativity is in the mainstream. Like, it, it is a culture we all know and understand. And so I think that there are queer people who could play that authentically or could, you know, because, like, we grew up seeing that on our TV. It's very in in ads in magazines. Like it's all you know. Now there's a lot more diversity, which is amazing. But like it's 
we were all put into that <laughs> that culture uh whether we wanted to be or not from the time that we were kids yeah i i mean i guess all of that to say is like i i do have back and forth feelings on it cuz like i agree if if somebody outside of that community could play that part authentically and can play it in a way that like adds depth to this character that's amazing but i also think like at a time where the the amount of parts that are written for people in marginalized communities are still so small for them to not get to play those characters seems wrong because mm-hmm. like then they just continue to be not have an opportunity to like break into the industry and and to then have the opportunity to create more of their own stories i also think it's like i I get the whole idea of like it's illegal to ask about sexuality and things like that but like in this industry frankly it's different like they can say in a in a character breakdown must look good in a bikini but like you know but can't request it like I think it's a valid request to be like I'm looking specifically for queer people for this character I don't think that should be off the table if I get breakdowns all the time of like must be skinny must have long hair must like you know what I mean like there's so much that is frankly really messed up in this career but also at the same time it is about making a visual representation of what the creator wants and it's about their story so at the same time as much as it's flawed I think it's valid to be like this is the specific thing I'm looking for usually nowadays they still are very open there's so many things I go out for that are absolutely not right for me but they bring me in because they're like, well we still want to see something different so it's not like the opportunity is completely off the table but it's also yeah I feel like it would be valid to be like I'm only looking for queer people for this like this is about yeah. that but because again, then at yeah. that point it's also up to the person who is auditioning to be like do i do i fit that description right like do right. i disclose like it's you're right yeah. it's not they're self-identifying and right. as opposed to being asked yeah um yeah i think this is like it's such a nuanced que- like question and conversation because i'm thinking as you both were talking and of of two things which is um almost like the funnel of of like power where it's like queer people playing straight people versus straight people playing queer people there's an imbalance a power imbalance Mm -hmm. and like so that that's just something that's floating and then the other piece is like is someone who's playing this role perpetuating harm to -hmm. that community and i'm I'm thinking specifically of when cis men play trans women Mm -hmm. uh because it's perpetuating this idea of like oh it's a man in a dress um and that you know it's and which is you know that's not what trans women are trans women are women and um but to, to to have a trans woman played by a cis man, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinions, is actually like inflicting harm on the trans community. And so I think, so I think it's, I think with the 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 moral of this discussion is there's not a one catch all reason or answer. It's yeah. like it's very context specific and it's just dependent on the role and the and the what's happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, specifically, I feel like with cis men playing trans women there's like this idea that they're also very celebrated and like brave for doing so and yet as a society we don't respect and like celebrate the bravery of trans women is like such a messed up thing 
uh yeah so i i mean like that one is yeah very yeah. very much a uh a, a sore spot <laughs> well yeah that one just feels to me that i will say one i feel like is fairly black and white like that yeah. that is like that's like me playing another race you know what i mean like that it's is just at, like that is a no yeah. like that is that is different i think when it comes to like sexuality and people can look like in so many different ways yeah. and like there are straight people who look like me even though i'm gay and things like that is like where it's like kind of a like a you know but like yeah no i'm I'm a cis man playing a trans woman to me is like an absolute no-no like i was like i would not accept that and Uh, it's it's also complicated i guess where there's more of a movement towards not coming out like you know like people not having to discuss sexuality i mean not that anybody ever has to discuss sexuality but like coming out was like such a a thing i feel like when we were yeah like teenagers. the Lance Bass, like it was you know the yeah. i'm gay uh uh magazine yeah, yeah. people magazine um or no that was ellen, ellen. he did one that's too. ellen yeah yeah but, but did he not do one he did people one, magazine yeah, Lance he did Bass one for time, time magazine. magazine yeah oh, trust me i i know <laughs> um but yeah so it's also that complicates i mean not that it's hard to find the right words to even like talk about this specific thing because I'm like oh I I feel the need to be so careful because I'm like oh I'm not trying to say that people are complicated for not wanting to come out but like it does when there's like queer characters nobody is entitled to anybody's information about their sexuality um but then there is also the thing of like oh wanting to feel like authentically represented but uh, then back to but nobody has to come out or disclose anything like about yeah it's very I mean I guess like in that in those situations it's like then up to like the performer or like the actor to have the self-reflection of like should I go out for this character if I know that it's not uh who I should be representing yeah yeah no, yeah, it's, it's a sticky one. It's <laughs> I sticky. Really feel like it's on the actor too to decide. Like I have a great friend who's an actress. Her name's Julia Finkelstein, and she will get you know uh, auditions for characters that are gay, and she always turns it down. She's straight, and she's like, "This isn't my space to take up. Like I'm not. That's not you know for me." And so like that's her choice as an actor. I also stand understand as an actor that like you know beggars can't be choosers, and you will take anything i mean trust me the amount of straight characters i've gone up for and done is a lot more the amount amount of moms it's just like it you know what i mean like you will take what you can get but it's also at the same time like where you know where where's Where's the the line line? yeah but yeah and i'm just thinking about um i had someone how do i say this i met someone who you know is as far as I knew, a cis man and presented in that way, whatever that means. I don't even like that. I just said that, but like yeah. that was, that was how I knew him. And um, years later submitted this piece of writing and it was like from a non-binary lens. And I gave the feedback to like the mediator of like, I don't know that this is his story to tell. Mm-hmm. And then, and like, was like, this doesn't feel right and and then i learned later that this person had been exploring and really like um you know wasn't as binary as we thought and Mm -hmm. then i felt like a terrible gatekeeper and a terrible like person of like i shut this person's creativity down because of 
I, I mean, an assumption, but also that's the information I had about them, him. I'm not sure uh, their pronouns, but um, now. But anyways, but it's like it is this like constant like, oh, did I like completely shut this person down? And almost like how your friend Kira was like, no, you're not. And you're like, well, <laughs> going to suppress that for another year. Like, yeah. I wonder if I had that impact on this person, too. I just I don't know it's it's it feels really hard. And I also think like we haven't been having these conversations really in this way before. And so I think we're all just trying to figure it out too. Yeah. I think that like, uh, I, at least how I always felt about the queer community, like the way that we've been talking about, like the way that you connect and things like that is obviously disclosing your identity. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I am a huge supporter of making sure no one has to feel outed or has to come out when they're not ready or, or if they don't want to. So like, I completely support that, but also at the same time, sometimes it's hard to have that immediate connection or tie or like, you know, when, when you don't, when that's not fully disclosed and that's okay. It's just like, it's different. It's like, a you know, it's a different transition. I think a lot of it too, for me comes to when I know someone just goes as they're queer, I, I can just trust them. I know that we have this connection in a way that's easier. And so learning to adapt to this new idea and this new format, that that's not necessarily how it's always going to come to be is um, I think something, at least I know that I'm working on, but I've also been noticing more and more yeah. as you know yeah certain you know actors and performers and whatever might you know be playing queer people or you know suggesting certain queer things but that doesn't mean it's their job to come out but then also at the same time this feeling of oh, is it your story is it queer baiting that's like a huge right. conversation we have a lot you know about queer baiting and not knowing um because like I always say queer baiting is probably one of the smartest things you can do because we are such a loyal audience yeah. like we will we will stay loyal to some of the worst tv in the world if it has to do nine with queer seasons people. for a handhold like yeah it's, oh, it's so the true. bar is so low so, yeah. I'm like, so sometimes I'm like I mean like I I would not write that off for certain, <laughs> you know performers and people if they were doing that because I th- actually think it'd be quite smart but <laughs> I hope that they're not um <laughs> It's also, I think, hard when it's, uh, like, a, a, because, like, the, you know, this person that you're talking about who, like, rep- represented, for lack of a better word, as, like, a, a, a cis man, um, it's, it's challenging. It, like, reminds me of, like, the thing of, like, how, um, you know, like, there'll be, like, men on Twitter who are annoyed that, like, women are afraid of them because, like, oh, I'm a good guy. It's like, yeah, but historically, there's reason to be afraid or, like, there's reason to feel whatever. We're, like, you know, historically with, like, cis men, like, openness to the queer community hasn't always been there. Uh, And so I don't, I don't, I feel like I... I'm getting lost in what I'm saying, but essentially like, yeah, I I may think there's like almost like an instinctual hesitance and like, the, you know, like something to, uh, I don't know, figure out. I Mostly what I'm saying is like, I, I get where you're coming from as far as the initial, like, oh, I don't know about that. And then like feeling like, oh no, am I not being open? Like, am I a closed off person? But I feel like it comes from like a sense of, protection or like a sense of you know self-preservation but yeah can can lead to like a oh maybe I'm not as being as open-minded or as like open as I think that I I am or can be um yeah. 
which is such a wild experience like as a queer person <laughs> yeah I mean and that I mean we could talk about this for hours and I know we don't have hours but it's just like making me think of the the conversation between like perceived danger and actual danger yes. and yeah. like how how you know our brains are hardwired to think of threats as actual danger and I'm saying threats with quotes um you know different um moments or uh I can't think of the word um like stimuli that's not the right word either but like you know we react it's it's implicit bias right it's like we react to a, a thing that even if it's not real um and so that that's like taking it a, like one step farther than what you're saying but it's like when people complain about trans women in the in the women's room they're saying that there's an actual threat when in reality it's not only is it not an actual threat, it's like a quote unquote, like perceived threat, but in really it's not a threat at all. And so there's so much undoing that has to, that has to happen. Um, but that can be on another podcast for another day. Cause I have <laughs> to move us into our lightning round because time flies when you're having fun and talking so about queer stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these are open-ended because I got feedback that uh, my lightning round was too binary. So um <laughs> Take your time, but also as quick as you can um, answer these questions. There was one binary question I could not get rid of. You'll see why. Um, okay, so what's the name of your superhero alter ego? Oh, no. That's, oh, wait, that's hard. You can also I, pass. You know, okay, I, I go for it. so... Um, this is supposed to be fast, so I don't know why I'm taking forever. But um, you remember Captain Underpants? Heck yeah. When I was a kid, I was a bedwetter. And when I would go to sleepovers, I would uh, I had to wear pull-ups. And so I would um, introduce the idea that I had to wear pull-ups by wearing it on my head and running around the house like Captain Underpants, which is crazy because he did not wear his underpants on his head. But it would be something, you know, like something some, something had to do with pampers <laughs> in the name. Love That's it. Uh, yeah okay i'm gonna pass on that one because they're gonna take too long i think too i'm thinking too far about branding well we're yeah. merchandise <laughs> right well, yeah, what's the swag yeah, what's for the no logo? <laughs> yeah exactly no cape they're not they're not as we learned for the incredibles they're not yeah they're not yeah <laughs> superheroes can look anyway yeah. yeah there's not one way to look like a superhero and not um, all heroes wear capes so. yeah that's right okay where's your favorite place to think I love a good, like any running water, like a, mm. like a, a river, something like that. I love good running water. Yeah. I like, we live right across the street from Central Park in the North Woods. So I like going there and processing. I love that. Wow. <laughs> um, an influential queer person in your life. It's so annoying, but my therapist, <laughs> uh, Amy, right. we're thinking immediately in my life. She is like one of the most formative and I've seen her, been seeing her for 10 years and she's just so, so incredible. And she's literally been like my, my person other than you, um, <laughs> other than my actual partner. Um, she's, she's the best. I love her. So I was going to I'm going to say Tignataro. Oh, that's a good one. We could yeah. say Cameron Esposito would be my other one. So <laughs> love it. Um, a song that you can listen to on repeat forever. Paris Hilton stars are blind I know it's controversial because she you know is now notably a problematic person but <laughs> I love that song it's a bop oh my gosh I feel like you would know mine more than I would 
but all I can think of is something Celine Dion, probably. Yeah, something like Celine I drove Dion. all night Celine Dion. I'm gonna go with Ooh, that. Right now. Nice. Oh, it's all coming back. To it's me all now, coming Celine back to Dion. me now. Celine that, Dion. I changed mine to that. <laughs> Love can move mountains. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. All right. I'm still figuring this question out, but a lot of states have proposed don't say gay bills. How do you say gay? Gay. <laughs> Just like, yeah, like gay, gay queer. queer. Yeah, I'm still figuring out how to ask this question. I get your responses. I got someone being like leaving my house every day and being like an open out queer person. I'm like, yeah, that that's also that. Oh, I gotta I figure out how that. to how to resay this question. So thanks for your yeah, <laughs> thanks for failing. <laughs> right? No, no, no. Okay. The, the fail was in the question, not the answer. Okay. Um, there's no fail. Yeah. There's only there's only you know discovery <laughs> there's uh there's no one way to fail um yeah. where do you find joy my dogs Dang, that was gonna be my well, answer my <laughs> dogs our dogs yeah our dogs just immediate joy right there and performing yeah getting getting people to laugh that is just the adrenaline rush of a of a lifetime it oh, yeah. really really is yeah. uh bagels or donuts <gasps> bagels donuts a house divided. If I could eat either. Yeah. I can't just... eat gluten or dairy. So. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Well, I, actually, that's, that's such a lie. I would say bagels. It's just that I know there's, there's no better good. gluten-free donuts than there are gluten-free bagels. So. Okay. So if all different types of bagels and donuts existed for all dietary needs, you would pick bagels. Bagels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, bagels the right answer. So good job. Okay. You. Um, <laughs> uh, you guys, thank you. You both. I've never, I haven't said you guys in five years and all of a sudden I'm saying it. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Sorry. You both oh. so much for being here and for sharing. Um, thank you for coming out. Thank you. Thanks for having us in. It was so <laughs> lovely. Thank you for coming out.